following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. I want to talk about, um, um, you ready for this? Taking offense. Bum, bum, bum. All right. I want to talk about taking offense because uh, taking offense, um, offenses in our lives, um, we've seen it. We've seen it take, take down marriages, seen it take down families, we've seen it take down churches. Um, it's actually a powerful thing. It's a, it's a pretty destructive force. And so I'm going to ask you this morning to just assume that maybe this might apply to you. <laughs> let's, let's just take a leap and say that, that maybe every one of us at some point in our lives have taken offense. Okay, let's just say that. I, I don't mean to offend you <laughs> right, right off the bat. Okay, but let's just, let's just make that assumption because I think there's actually real legitimate healing that the Holy Spirit actually wants to do today. If, if you let him. You know, the Holy Spirit is actually pretty gentle. Um, and, and the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, meaning he's not going to force himself on you. Um, but if you, if you open your heart to what the Holy Spirit is doing this morning, I believe that there can be a, a significant, significant transformation in your lives. I really do. Taking offense. Um, and, and to think that, you know, there, there might be some, some people here who think that maybe, maybe that doesn't apply to you. But let's, let's just be clear. You know, the enemy, enemy likes to shoot at us, right? And so it's kind of like a soldier on the front line saying, well, the enemy shoots at me, um, but it, doesn't, it never hits me. You know, it's that kind of thing. And so the, the truth of the matter is, is that we live on a front line, and there's a battle there, and the enemy wants to take you out. And and taking offense is a really effective way that he does it. <laughs> and I would like to just create a shift this morning. Um, there is, uh, we, actually, we actually learned about the frontal lobe <laughs> during the parenting course. You know, we have, we have a part of our brain called the frontal lobe. And we're just talking about raising kids, you know. That our frontal lobe doesn't really get developed till for men, probably 24, somewhere in there. Um, for women, a little bit sooner. No, no comments, <laughs> just a little bit sooner. And it involves decision-making and different things that way. There's actually part of our brain called the amygdala. I'm, I'm a physician, so I, I've learned about all these things. But the amygdala is part of our brain um, that deals with justice. There's a, there's a TV show called Brain Games. I don't know if everybody's ever seen it. It's on the Discovery Channel. Um, our, our family has just loved it. And, and it's, it's kind of a psychological show where it shows how our brain works and operates. And they do different puzzles and things on the show to kind of show how your brain operates. Well, they had, a, they had a, um, an experiment that they did where they had a game show. This is like real. They set it up like a game show. They had two actors. There were three people, three contestants, two actors, and then one that was sort of the stooge, you know, the one that didn't know what was going on. And so they were asking pretty easy questions, like, who was the first president of the United States? And they'd they buzz in, and they would answer. Well, this guy, the, the stooge, he knew the answers. They were pretty easy. He would buzz in, but every time he buzzed in, it would go to somebody else, even though clearly he buzzed in first. Like, he'd be like, and all of a sudden, yes, way down to the other end, they would answer the question, George Washington. And he'd be like, and he was the nicest guy. They picked the perfect person. He was so sweet. He was just smiling. Well, by the, by the fifth time that he pressed the button and he, they kept calling on somebody else, and, and you know, they would have the actors kind of wait. They'd be like, hmm, first president. 
you know, then they would buzz in, George Washington. And he'd be like, <laughs> by the fifth time, you could see him getting red in the face. Like, and then finally, he just lost it. I mean, it was, it was the greatest thing to see because he just lost. He's like, okay, just wait a minute. We got to stop everything because clearly I was the one that pushed the button first. And he kind of, he, he was trying to be polite at first, but then, so then, they, you know, the people that are doing the show were like, well, we'll pay attention to it. Next time, same thing happens. He's like, okay, this is just wrong. This is wrong. And you could just tell that his amygdala was firing. <laughs> There's something in our brain. It's a very strong, in fact, people will say it's the strongest human emotion that there is, is actually responding to injustice. When something is not right, our brain actually responds and we get this huge adrenaline burst in our lives. And, uh, and this poor man, who was the nicest man in the world, just lost it. And so this is what happens when we take offense. This is what happens. So I want to just read to you a few things that I find very interesting when you get into the secular world, when they're trying to define some of these things. Taking offense, injustice, those kind of things, because it's, it's insightful. So it says, researchers have defined offense as a feeling that is triggered by a blow to a person's honor because it contradicts a person's self-concept and identity. We learned a lot about identity this weekend when it comes to parenting, when it comes to marriage relationships. Um, when it comes to the problems of this world, it actually always comes back to identity. It's interesting, you read these secular articles and they talk about identity, they don't always say identity to what. <laughs> well, we know where our, ident our identity comes from, don't we? We are sons and daughters. We, are, we actually find our identity in the fact that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's where our identity is actually found. The world actually doesn't have a real answer to what our identity is, but we know that when we take offense, it's actually an affront to our identity itself. It's interesting that the secular world acknowledges that as well. It says there's three phases. The offended person identifies the cause of the offense and works to develop some sort of interpretation. Second, the offended person attempts to determine the intensity of the feeling of the offense, which is based on one beliefs of self and whether the offender holds the same beliefs. And the third, the offended person has some sort of reaction to the offense that is based on a number of factors. And their amygdala starts to fire. <laughs> That's what happens. And it's interesting, the conclusion of the secular article that I read was this. If a person has a strong identity, they are less likely they will choose to take an offense. It's interesting. See, we find our identity in him. And when we, are fi when we find our identity, it's our worth and our, uh, worth and our purpose in him. Um, we actually don't need the affirmation of others to actually secure our identity. So when we're strong in our identity, we don't look to others to try to meet a need that only a father can fill, right? And so when somebody comes to us and it feels like it's an affront on our identity and who we are, and they say something that offends us, if we have a strong, ident strong identity, we're more likely to kind of go, uh. If we have a weaker identity, we're more likely to take the offense. It's an interesting word because it's a choice to actually take an offense. We actually take it. Now, we're not as, as interested in what the secular world has to say, right? We're interested in what the Bible actually says. I want to, before I talk about that, I want to be clear that I'm going to give you a really good um, point of emphasis this morning that I think will really, really help you. The enemy has only one plan 
he really only has one bullet in his gun, and it's to take you down at the level of identity. That's all he has. In fact, we have, we have object, lef object lesson after object lesson in the Bible that actually proves that to be true. In fact, it started in the Garden of Eden when, when they were actually created and placed in the garden, and the enemy came along and said, he doesn't want you to eat from that tree because you're going to become like God. Well, guess what? They were already like God, created in his image. They were actually his kids, placed into the earth. And so the first thing they do is actually go, he goes for their identity. And they were actually given authority and dominion on the earth. And the only way they could give it, the only way the enemy could get authority and dominion on the earth is if man and woman gave it to him, which is exactly what they did. And where the first Adam failed, the second Adam succeeded. Remember, Jesus comes along, he gets baptized, he comes out of the water, right? And what does the father say to him? He speaks over him, and he says, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, identity. And it says almost immediately, I think the Bible actually uses the word immediately or suddenly, he goes into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Devil comes along, and what does he say to him? He says, if you are the son of God, think about how preposterous that is. What a horrible strategy. <laughs> I mean, but that's all he has. The enemy has no other, no other realm of offense that he can bring to a battle. It's all he has. If you are the son of God, he says to him. Now, Jesus, unlike the first Adam, knew his identity. He was strong in his identity. He knew who he was. Even though he was physically, emotionally weak, he actually knew in his spirit strong identity. And, and so the enemy comes along and says, if you are the son of God, Jesus is able to resist those temptations because of his identity, and he knew who he was. He, he recited the word, and then comes along, which I said this weekend, my second favorite Bible verse in all scripture. It says, and then Satan left. <laughs> that was it. How many want that for your home and for your life? <laughs> and then Satan left. Well, here's the key. Strengthen your identity in who you are. That's the key because that's all he has. That's all he's going to come after you with is identity. And taking offense is a key strategy that he uses because it's directly connected to your identity. And so if, if we can resist him, if we can, if we can become wise to his schemes, then we know that he'll leave because he has nothing else. One trick pony. So what does the Bible say about offense? The word in Greek is the word scandalon, S-C-A-N-D-A-L-O-N. Scandalon is the word that we get scandal or scandalize. It's the word scandalon. If you look it up in the, the uh, dictionary, actually, it'll actually say, oops, it'll actually say uh, stick and box trap. You guys have seen these before, right? You need an Amazon box. That works the best. This is what the word actually means. When you actually look it up in the dictionary, it'll say box and stick trap. That's what the word scandalon means. It means to take offense. So what's going on here? It's an, it's an impediment. It causes one to stumble. It's a trap is what it is. The word actually means a trap. And isn't that the way that we feel when we become offended? We actually feel trapped. And, and, and you kind of go, now, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense because there's an offender in this story, right? There's somebody that came along and actually offended us. They're the offender. Why does the offended get trapped? Because that's the plan of the enemy. He's going to challenge you on the realm of your identity, and he's going to 
set a, he's going to set some bait for you. And the bait is that thing, that thing that makes you offended. And what happens is, is he sits and he waits for you. He knows that he knows you. He knows those little things that set you off. He's going to wait till you come along the trail. And he's going to set that thing and you're going to take it and you're going to become offended. And (laughs) there's really, there's really no way that couldn't work, honestly. (laughs) And then you become trapped. This is how it works, though, isn't it? Is when we get offended, we're actually caught in the trap of the enemy, and he wants to keep us there. He wants to keep us there, and he wants us to own it. It's the offended who feels trapped, not the offender. Isn't that annoying? (laughs) But that's what he does. Is um, Is there a teenager in the room that wants to earn five bucks? Anybody? Five bu- easy five bucks? It's easy. Come on now. Come on, somebody. There we go. We have a winner. <laughs> it's going to be the easiest five bucks you ever make. <laughs> All right, come on down. I just want to, I always like giving examples because it helps. Your name is? Maria. Maria. So Maria and I are going to go to a movie together, okay? So Maria and I are going to a movie. We get there, and just like usual, Maria forgets to bring money. Maria. So we get to the movie, <laughs> and... We show up, and I said, okay, Maria, I will, I will give you five bucks. Okay, I will give you, you can't leave yet. <laughs> I'm going to give you five bucks so that we can go to the movie together, right? So we go to the movie, we enjoy it. Uh, after that, there's a debt. Maria owes me five bucks, right? I wasn't giving it to you. It was a gift. It was not a gift. I was borrowing it to you. You owe me. There's a debt. You owe me five bucks, right? So we go on with life, Maria and I, and we meet the next day in school, and I say, hey, Maria, wasn't, wasn't that a great movie? And when we become offended, what happens is, is we like to remind everybody of what they owe us. It's called a debt, okay? Right? We do this. We're all guilty. Anybody who's been married, <laughs> right? We remind each other of the debt. So, Maria, wasn't that a great movie that we saw yesterday? Yeah. Wasn't it so good? Yeah, and it was, it was really inexpensive, too. I mean, it was a good deal. It was only five bucks, remember? <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Yeah, oh. So, um, so, you know, maybe we should go do that again sometime. So, and then what happens is every time I see her, I get more and more offended because for whatever reason, Maria isn't remembering to give me my five bucks back. And so we're like, hey, Maria, good to see you. Give me five. <laughs> Well, we'll see you tomorrow at 5 o'clock, Maria, 5. Thank you, you did great. <laughs> but is that what we do? It's like you turn to your spouse, like, are you mad at me? Well, if you don't know, then I'm not telling you. <laughs> How many times are we? This, this is a fence. This is a fence because there's a debt, and we're actually looking, we're holding the debt until it's repaid. And what I would like to submit to you this morning, and is super, super important, is that there's difference between settling a debt and forgiving a debt. The Bible talks a lot about forgiveness, right? But it's different than settling a debt. Here's the deal about identity. And here's the deal about taking offense. If you are looking for it, 
you're going to find it. <laughs> There's always a place to become offended. Why? Because that's his plan. <laughs> it's all he has. He continues to work on you in that place of offense. And we feel like we're trapped, and we feel like we're connected, and we feel like it's unfair. We feel like it's unfair. There's so much unfairness connected to the fact that Maria forgot to pay me back, and she's sitting over there. She enjoyed the movie, and here I am, out five bucks, and she doesn't seem to even care. And it becomes greater and greater, and we sit in there, and we stew about it, and the enemy keeps us there and actually destroys the relationship. Every time I see Maria, is it Maria? It's Maria. All of a sudden, it went out of my brain. <laughs> Every time I see Maria, I think about the movie and the $5 that she owes me. That's called a debt. And we define relationships by these debts that we have for each other, and it's actually super painful. Um, how many know that Jesus was a troublemaker? Jesus was a troublemaker, right? He flipped everything upside down. Everything everybody thought they knew, Jesus comes along and he shakes it all up, right? And so he comes along and he says, Matthew 5.38, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn, them to the, turn the other cheek also. And if everybody wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. I'm telling you, that was countercultural to the Jewish tradition of the Old Testament. In fact, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is actually straight out of Scripture in, in the Old Quran. I mean, that's what it, that's what it was. And so he's coming along and saying, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a different way. When somebody evil comes along and they hit you, hits you, you turn the other cheek and you offer that one as well. Completely countercultural to everything that he's talking about. Because what he's, he's actually creating a new way, a new covenant that's actually about our hearts. It's about shifting in our hearts. He comes along, you know, we, a lot of times you read the Old, the Old Testament and you're kind of like, man, I'm so glad we don't have to do all those sacrifices anymore and cutting this and doing this and three of this and five of this. And you're reading that and you go, man, I'm so glad that we're free from all that. Guess what? Jesus came along and actually created a, created a greater covenant than that. It was greater. He was saying that, okay, now all you have to do is look at lust and you've committed adultery. He's saying all you have to do is have malice in your heart and you are a murderer. It's actually, he's actually, he changed everything. He actually raised the standard of the covenant big time. And he's coming along and saying, okay, now, instead of being offended, I actually want you to turn the other cheek and take it again. Give Maria more money. <laughs> what? That's completely unfair. That's not right. That's not right. And so we look at the fairness, and our amygdala starts to fire, right? And we're saying, this is unjust. There's something wrong about this. Peter came and said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive Maria? <laughs> who sins against me, seven times? And he said, no, not seven. Seventy times seven, like forever. Like this is, this is the new standard, is that, is that we forgive the debt, is that we actually erase the debt. Okay, so here's, this gets a little hard, harder hitting once you actually open scripture and read what, it, read what it says about forgiveness. So you can just sit back and listen to this story. You don't have to look it up, just listen. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, we talked about that this weekend. Whenever Jesus starts the kingdom of heaven is like, he's telling us about, about the way things operate in his world, in his realm. Might be a little bit different than what we're used to. It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Everybody say settle. 
He wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt. Everybody say canceled and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled, I forgave all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. Verse 35, are you ready? This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's about heart. Are you getting it? This is, a, this, is a new, this is how the kingdom operates. It operates from the heart. There's a connection between our forgiveness here and the forgiveness in his kingdom, whether we like it or not. Repentance and forgiveness are not exclusively linked. What does that mean? It means my forgiveness is not connected to the fact of how repentant you are. See, if we're sitting around and waiting for somebody to be sorry for offending us, then we are waiting to settle the debt. We are waiting for them to give the five bucks back. That is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is canceling the debt. Maria does not have to give me five bucks anymore. I release her from the debt that she owes me. That's a different thing than sitting around and waiting for her to pay it back. They aren't linked, as hard as it is to hear. Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we, everybody says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Matthew 6, 14, if, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. I didn't make this up. This is what the Bible says. This is how the kingdom works. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to hear, right? Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So that, everybody say so that, <laughs> your father in heaven may forgive your sins. Those are connected. Our forgiveness, our willingness to forgive the debt is directly connected to how he forgives us. It is not linked to how sorry the offender is. If we're sitting and waiting around for some sign of repentance, then we're sitting with our hand out waiting to get paid back. That is not forgiveness. In fact, if you read any of these verses, the offender isn't even mentioned. 
what's going on here? <laughs> the offender isn't even mentioned. It's about forgiveness. It's about forgiveness with no strings attached. It's about radical forgiveness. And where was this best demonstrated? Right there. Right? He's hanging on the cross. He has every reason to be offended. He has every legal right to take out his, his anger on us. And his response is, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Listen, he canceled it. <laughs> He could have also come up and said, okay, I have, forg I have shed my blood for you. Now you owe me. <laughs> now you owe me. He doesn't do that either. It's all forgiven. We give him everything because we want to. <laughs> it's because of our love for him. But he doesn't demand it. Because he's forgiven us. If you do have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Because I think this is such a key and powerful verse. You know, it's so often we talked about parenting this weekend too. Like how often do we do this as parents? I just, I just, I just want to submit to you maybe a different way of looking at things sometimes. So many times our, our, our children will, you know, will fight or will say something or they'll hit each other or something will happen, right? And how many times have we done this as parents? Okay, we get them together and we say, okay, Billy... What, what you said to your sister wasn't kind. What do you need to say? Sorry. Susie, what do you need to say now? I forgive you. Okay, now go on. <laughs> well, I would maybe make the statement that that's not really forgiveness or repentance. <laughs> it's, it's sort of a forced, a forced uh, a ceremony that we go through as parents, isn't it? Because we want things to kind of get patched up. What would it look like if our children fought or had problems and we actually went to the offended first and said, despite how he reacts or despite how he treated you, are you willing to forgive him? That's actually what the Bible says to us to do. It's a different way of looking at parenting even, isn't it? Are you willing to forgive him, no matter even if he isn't sorry, are you willing to forgive him? That's how forgiveness works. It's this place of of, of, of completely canceling the debt, that you actually turn back towards your sibling with the idea that they actually owe you nothing. And then we go to them and we talk about repentance. Like, do you know why, the, why hurting your, your sister is, is, is wrong and, 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 and painful for your relationship? Do you realize that? Yes, I realize that. And, and you walk them through this idea of repentance where they realize that things have been broken. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what is forgiven? If there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. How about that? How about that? He has a scheme, and his idea and his hope for you is to keep you trapped. An offense is a powerful, powerful weapon that he uses it. It's an affront on your identity because that's all he has, and he wants to keep you in there. 
And he wants to, he wants to shatter relationships in a mighty and a powerful way. And in fact, if we're honest with ourselves, we become so familiar sometimes with our offenses that we, we go through life and we just, we just wear it. You know, we become so, fami- we become so familiar with it. It would it, it, almost be weird to, re- to remove it because we accessorize it and we put a hat on and a scarf and, <laughs> and, and we live life like this because we just are constantly trapped and we don't know how to get out of it. And the enemy wants to keep us there and he's more than content for us to begin to accessorize <laughs> and have it just become part of our life. I remember my mom and dad um, were pastors of a church in Wisconsin when I was this high. And uh, I remember that there was um, kind of division in the church over, over the gifts of the Holy Spirit. My, my parents um, wanted to not limit the Spirit. <laughs> and the elders thought that was maybe not seeker-friendly. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. And it was hurtful. There was pain connected to it, and, and, and there was a, a split and, 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 a, and a moving away and, and fractured relationships with that. And my mom, I remember my mom saying that it was, it was hard for her to even see these elders walking down the street because it was so painful, it was so hurtful. But there was this moment in her life where she realized that, that forgiveness meant releasing them from what they owed her, whether they were repentant or not, whether they saw the errors of their way or not, whether they were right and she was wrong, it didn't matter. She could just forgive the debt. And she said, the only way I knew that I actually succeeded in forgiveness was the next time I saw them walking down the street. And she said, when that happened, everything was different, and I saw them differently. Why? Because the box came off. (laughs) Boom. Oh, hey, you look different. I've only seen you like this. That's all I've ever seen you. You look like a bottom of a cardboard box. <laughs> but when it comes off, we look at things differently, don't we? And, and that was her testimony. I remember her giving that testimony to us as kids, is that when I see them now, I have no pain. It's gone. I've released them from their debt. They never apologized. They never thought they were wrong, and it doesn't matter. It's not the point of the story. The point is they hurt her, and she forgave them. That's what happens. Because $5 is funny. Maria, thank you. $5 million, not so much. We're talking about money at a movie theater. Ha, ha, ha. Let's be real this morning. There are some serious things that people have taken from you. I know that to be true. There's enough people in this room, if we pass the microphone around, we can share about real relational hurts. We can talk about real debt, real debt, pain, abuse, sorrow, heartbreak. This is, this is real human condition. We're not naive to the fact that there is real legitimate debt. People owe you. They've taken things from you. But this is what we're up against this morning. This is what we're up against this morning. Are you going to take the bait? (laughs) This is his scheme. His scheme is, hey, here's the deal, guys. 
Satan does not fight fair, right? There are things, there is real pain and hurt in this world, and he doesn't care if you are two years old, 70 years old. He doesn't care if you have health problems. He doesn't care if you're weak. He doesn't care if you're smart, dumb, stupid, whatever. He doesn't care. He just wants to take you out. That's all he cares about. He wants to keep you trapped. That's all that matters. And so there is real pain in this room, which means there's a real opportunity this morning. Are we okay? Are we doing okay? I, I, I want to be sensitive to the fact that I'm not minimizing at all how much five, fifty, five hundred million dollars is to you. This is real debt. But the problem is, even though this may feel on the surface unfair and it may tweak your amygdala, the problem is, is that you're the one trapped, not them. The Holy Spirit gets to deal with them, right? But there's something that you can do about this this morning. It's called forgiving a debt. It's called forgiving a debt. And it starts with identity. It starts with who you are. And if you know that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, then you are made complete and secure and whole in him. That's what you get as an inheritance of the house. Everything that you need, you are made complete in him. There are some things that might have happened to you in life that makes you feel unwhole. But you are actually made complete in him. It's the healing of his presence and of your inheritance that actually makes you complete and satisfied in him. Everything that you need. So it always starts with identity. It always starts from that place. And if you are one of those people this morning, and if you're being super honest before heaven, and you are just easily offended, all of us know somebody who is, but it's a little bit harder when we have to look inward, right? When we allow the Holy Spirit to look inward. If you're one of those people that are easily offended, then I would like to just pray a prayer this morning with you that can release you from that. Because we are not unaware of his schemes. I want to bring awareness to you this morning, awareness to you this morning, that he wants to keep you trapped. That's what he wants to do. That's the goal. But I also want to bring awareness to you this morning that there's freedom in his spirit. If you are somebody who has been offended, and if you're even so bold to say, eh, maybe I'm easily offended, I'm just going to have you stand up. We're just going to do this quick. Thank you for being honest. Because he wants to do some things. Okay, just close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, and repeat after me. My identity is secure in you. And I am a love child in my father's house. Because of this, I choose not to take offense and live a life that is unoffendable. I know and recognize the bait of the enemy 
and I refuse to take the bait. <laughs> All right, you can sit back down. Good job. It's a big deal. The enemy hates what you just said, by the way. He hates that you're on to him. Okay? Now, there might be some people here who are in that $5 million category, right? And I want to offer you an opportunity to forgive the debt. Because they aren't the ones that are trapped. You are. And I want to offer you freedom this morning. Now, this is going to require a little bit of some courage. I understand, okay? But I'm a minister. I want to minister to you this morning. That's my heart. I woke up this morning like, I just know that I know the freedom that's offered in this. And it's not trivial. It, it can change your life. It will change your life. If there's something that you're holding, if you're holding it, then let's forgive it. If that's you, would you be willing just to stand? If that's you, if there's, if there's a debt in your life, that's, that's a big one, thank you. Um, today is the day. <laughs> today is the day. This is, this, is a, this is a big step for you. And thank you for being obedient to that. Thank you. Thank you. This, this, this will change things. Thank you. Let's deal with it this morning. Awesome. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I don't care if it's $5, okay? <laughs> But more than likely, there's bigger ones than that even. Let's just be done with it. Yeah? Can we be done with it? If you're ready, then repeat after me. Father, I am owed something. Someone has taken something from me. And they are my debtors. Jesus, today, by the power and grace of your love, and your blood, I forgive them of their debt. They no longer owe me anything. Holy Spirit, I allow you to pull out bitterness at the root. Today, I celebrate my freedom in your love and in your forgiveness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's just praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you. We bless you, Lord. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. We have to steward, we have to steward freedom. And when it's forgiven, it's forgiven, okay? And so this is going to be a hard one, I'm going to have to say, because sometimes we, we like to wear the box still and make sure everybody knows how much we're owed. But we have to let that go. We have, to, we have to not let that define our lives anymore because there's freedom. You are no longer trapped in that, and we don't want to climb back under it. Okay? Because he's a one-trick pony. And so he's going to come at you again at the level of your identity. That's what he's going to come after you. And he's going to say, well, <laughs> you are owed a lot. Are you sure you want to really let that go? You need to, because there's freedom. Repentance is the responsibility of the offender. Forgiveness is the responsibility of the offended. Reconciliation is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. I'll leave you with this. He's really good at it. 
We've seen it over and over and over and over and over again, how the Holy Spirit brings reconciliation to relationships. And so if you can believe that this morning, because of this newfound freedom, if you can believe that this morning, then just surrender to the Holy Spirit and watch him do it. Watch him do it. He's a master at it. It's his job description. (laughs) He's good. He's a God of restoration. And if you're looking for reconciliation in relationships and family, forgiveness is a key. It's a key that opens up freedom and allows people to see each other again, not through a veil, not through a trap, but with freedom eyes. And it's a beautiful thing. You guys, thank you. You, you, you don't know us all personally, but this is a very vulnerable thing to do this morning. And I'm super grateful that you did it because I know that it will transform your home, and transform your lives. Father, we just bless this place. We bless this, these relationships. We bless what you do this, did this morning, Lord God. We are not unaware of the enemy's schemes. And Lord Jesus, you are greater. You are, you are the one, Lord Jesus, that fixes everything. And we are more than conquerors through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.